Yeah, yeah. How do I do this now? <laughs> you should you should leave this in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All the way to the all the way to the left, right? You should you should use this as the opening. <laughs> Maybe okay. So I'm I'm gonna press stop, and that's okay. Okay, this is terrifying to me. Welcome to the Raft Podcast. Let's fix things. Where Chus and myself, Joe Fletcher, explore the world of connected experiences, spanning from connected services, platforms, and devices over industries such as transportation, smart home, logistics, healthcare, and media. Chus and I started this podcast to explore design and strategy topics in more depth coming from the projects we handle in our design consultancy. Now, on to the show. Chris, good day. Hey, Joe. <laughs> hey. So uh, this is this is the first podcast that we will be doing in completely different countries. Yeah, this is a this is a long distance call. And, and we've also we uh, we we didn't record last week. There was there are some issues that we had to work around. Um, but we are back this week, and I am currently in uh, Malaysia in Kuala Lumpur. And Chus, uh, you're still in Amsterdam. I'm in sunny and Amsterdam. Been, yep. Yeah, you're in sunny Amsterdam. I am in dark and hot, sweaty uh, Malaysia. And thunder. I don't know if it's rainy season here, but it, it certainly does thunderstorm every day and pour down rain. Yeah. Um, I, and if the sound... It, oh, what? <laughs> I, I remember when I looked up the climate data, it's like nine months out of the 12, it's raining season where you are. So, And w- I, I hope the sound on this is okay because we... I don't have all my normal equipment here. We just have the microphone, um, and I don't. Ha- we don't have the pop screen, which uh, hopefully will be okay. No P. Uh, so we'll, yeah, we'll see how this goes. I think we'll hope maybe we'll see if this one goes shorter. Um, but so far, it's been it's been an interesting two weeks over here, sort of getting adjusted. I've never visited Southeast Asia, and it's it's quite a diverse country and, and quite a bit different from what I uh, what I expected. So and at at some point, I think we can we can go through that. But uh, yep. do you want to do you do you want to open up? We don't have any follow up, right? Because it's it's been a few weeks. So do you want to open up with uh, news? <laughs> yeah. So what's new? Yeah. Well, I was over here when everything happened. Um, yeah. So I, I, obviously, I I got here. You know, we were going to do the plan uh, in Amsterdam that we were going to stay up all night for the uh, for the U.S. presidential elections and watch it from a bar. And unfortunately, I I well. Fortunately, unfortunately, I, I was on a plane the day before to come over to Malaysia. And so that happened in the middle of the day. And that's pretty much what's what's really flooded the news over the past week and a half. Yeah. Not too much to <laughs> do with technology. A little bit, well, but not really. Well, I, I think there's a few interesting things that's come out of this. And I, I, you know, I, I don't think we need to turn this into a political discussion. So I think there's a few technology things mm-hmm. um, that I've heard people talking about. And, and one of them is, is the aspects of net neutrality. Um, and, you know, I've, I've heard, I haven't, I haven't gone and researched this, but I've heard things like, like Trump would be against the Time Warner and AT&T merger, which would be a pretty big deal. Yep. Uh, but I, I think what's interesting, uh, and again, there's, there's bad and good about these things, uh, depending on, on, what, on you know, what side of the fence you're on, but Trump is planning to halt investment uh, that was going to previously go towards climate change um, aspects. And so that, you know, that, that may not be the greatest thing in the world, but where that money is going to be going, or at least what he's put out in his plan, is to go back into investing in infrastructure, 
which for people who don't live in the U.S., the U.S. is quite a large country and is desperately in need of infrastructure work. Uh, Roads, bridges, highways, dams, these types of things that are, are, you know, literally falling apart and they haven't uh, paid much attention to it. And so there may be opportunities here that as you're building these things, you have to wonder about um, technology of smart cities and smart roads and these types of things. And you're wondering if you are going to invest, you know, potentially billions in infrastructure, what that could mean. Yeah. Are you looking into EV charging stations? Are you looking into self-driving cars with special lanes? Like, how are you going to look at the next 50 years for this infrastructure? Yeah. And I, I don't expect, uh, I don't expect him to lay that out. Right. I, I imagine that again, if this goes through that money to be basically um, uh, dispersed across the U S and I imagine that different States would be able to use it in different ways. And, Um, I, I, you know, it seems like there's a lot of possibilities of what could happen here. So I, I think from at least my Facebook feed, you know, not a, not a very uh, popular decision, but I, I think again, for us, it, it's, uh, since we are looking at technology and design, there are technology aspects here that could be quite interesting, uh, for investment. So I, I, I'm, I'm curious to see where that goes and I'll, you know, I'll be watching the news to see what happens on, on that front. Mm-hmm. Um, does, what is I mean, I know Netherlands has the, you know, they're doing the LoRa network and uh, KPN is doing, is KPN doing LoRa? Yep. KPN has LoRa. And then there's the guys from the Things Network. That's an sort mm-hmm. of a, an open version of LoRa. Yeah. And, and well, and so I, what I was really surprised at, um, just sort of traveling a lot around, around the world is I get over to Malaysia and I'd never been here. I didn't know what to expect. And, and there's big billboards around for 500 megabit per second um, fiber lines, which, uh, you know, is, is uh, and Chus, uh, I think maybe you're experiencing some of this because we are doing this and we have Skype going and we have video going and, you know, I don't see any lag. I see a very crisp sort of HD photo of you and, and it, the connection is pretty damn impressive over here. And same with the 4G. I've had worse connections within the same city. Yeah, and and uh, I'm on the 4G network over here, and I've ab- I had absolutely no. I tether to my laptop all the time, and so so it, it seems like you know across the world there's a lot of a lot of money and funding going into this infrastructure for connectivity, and I, I haven't I haven't dug too much into smart cities over here, but what I do see is I I, I I'm over here working uh, with a telco, so that's that's as far as I'll go on at least the client side. But what I have seen from them is is lots of discussions around smart home technologies and offering. And I think for anyone who's been listening to this podcast for a while, it's, it's been something on my, uh, you know, that I've really been pushing for and I'm a big fan of is that uh, smart home devices need service providers to resell them. We've talked about AT&T doing this um, and we've been looking for other companies and we've, I, I've been sitting here listening to people talk over here about, you know, smart homes in Malaysia. Um, and not just that, but the way they talk about them is, is quite um, uh, experience-focused. So it's not about devices. It's about the sense of security or safety that it brings uh, to users. So I, I found even the articulation of what the smart home means is, is quite progressed to how I've seen other people talk about it. And it's been actually great um, to be over here and, and get this, this view on the complete opposite side of the world. Yeah, I'm curious to see if sort of the more commonplace smart home will uh, will be installed earlier in in Southeast Asia or or well, it's it's sort of how um, uh, you know China and Africa made the leap right over the PC, right? So they everything went straight to mobile, 
And I have to wonder if, if countries, maybe countries like Malaysia or other countries, um, as they're building cities and expanding cities faster than countries like Europe or the U.S., are, these, are we going to see smart cities um, be populated in these areas that are actively investing billions in infrastructure and cities and building up uh, cities very, very quickly? Again, you know, Korea, Japan, uh, China, and uh, several places in Southeast Asia. Are they really going to pioneer a lot of the the smart home spaces when we, you know when you me and a lot of the San Francisco based world Silicon Valley is looking like yeah we're going to have a smart oven for fifteen hundred which you wouldn't, which uh, Chris, you wanted to buy for our studio yes uh, <laughs> I want to make I want to make steak lunches in it I take it back it may be worth the investment I know I know I said maybe we shouldn't spend the money but. In all seriousness, you, you, you see a lot of the Silicon Valley work coming out that uh, it is focused on the device and it feels like, you know, we've talked about Juicero, we've talked about, I can't remember, is that the June oven? Is that what it was? I think so. Okay. Yeah. And, and all these devices that seem like these high end sort of in the bubble Silicon Valley devices and you, and you get over here and I mean, in, in, in two weeks, I've really sort of reassessed my view of wondering what's going to happen yeah. in, in, in the next decade are, are, you know, is Asia going to come up with really the smart city, smart infrastructure, self-driving car space that, that, you know, Silicon Valley is, is maybe pretending they're doing. Um, but because of the size of the U S or the size of Europe and these things and the, the lack of progression around uh, investment in infrastructure and quickly building up cities, maybe it might take longer to happen. So I, you know, it's, it's for me, I, it's been a great valuable lesson being over here and, and something to watch much more closely than I was doing uh, three weeks ago. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely an infrastructure type game, right? And not only infrastructure of, of uh, getting places or infrastructure of having network availability and, and bandwidth everywhere. It's also the infrastructure inside of the homes that needs to change majorly. Like I bought, some uh, Philips Hue lights recently, and my house is wired with switches, which I've been using all the time. And of course that kind of disables the system. Whereas if you would build a new smart home, you would have either switches that work properly with the system or no switches and different ways of interacting with that. And you see in Southeast Asia and, and also like in, in China, there's whole new cities being built to serve a certain purpose where, where all of the houses are being built new and they can build this with the smart home in mind and actually make these, these buildings themselves work. Okay. You know, you just brought up a pet peeve of mine um, with the switches aspect and this hits me every time I'm in a hotel, right? So I, I'm in a, and I'm, I'm in a single room. I'm looking, I got a bed in front of me. This is not very big in my view. I can count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, um, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 light switches. Do you know, I, it, like the first night I was here, it took me, you know, I'm, I'm trying not to exaggerate here. It probably took me 90 seconds to try and figure out how to actively turn off the light. I still haven't figured out how to turn off the closet light. So I just closed the closet uh, doors. <laughs> um, but I don't understand why they make it so hard. And now I just, I just got everything where I have one master switch. So I don't, I don't screw with anything else. I got one master switch next to my bed and I turn that on and off. Um, but I, I, God damn it. It's like, and it's just, this is brand newly renovated in the last few months. Why did someone decide to put in whatever the 14 switches? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's it, and, and it's a single room. <laughs> I mean, the, I mean, talk about design flaws here. 
But that's what the Internet of Things will enable, right? Even when they put in 14 switches, none of these switches have to be physically attached to a wall where they become immovable. Maybe after a year, somebody redesigns the room, they remove seven switches and it still works because IoT allows you to virtually rewire everything, which now is impossible with these physical switches on the walls. So that, that's what I mean. You, you can have the the building provide the infrastructure or or the non-infrastructure in this case that allows for new types of interactions. Um, sorry, I was, I, was, I was thinking of something and then I was like, oh man, I hope you don't have too much audio drift on this and the editing's horrible. <laughs> so I got <laughs> off track. Um, but but what, what you were saying about the ability to move switches around, um, so one of the things I've talked about in the past is, is working with, um, you know, we, we've, we've worked with Ikea on their smart lighting, which has just come out in pilot countries um, a few months ago. Mm-hmm. But what was really great is the way that they articulated this, that the space that you live in um, actively conforms to your needs or the activities that you are doing within them. So, you know, right now I, I'm in a hotel room, but this could be, you know, an apartment, any apartment in China, Korea, Japan that has less space in cities. And I, you know, I, I can very much imagine how these spaces can start to alter and change, whether that's lights, whether that's movable walls, whether that's movable fixtures. And what I'm saying now is, is you know, very hardware focused, but I, I just start to think of what the alteration of spaces means based on how uh, smart functionality or sensors um, can start to think about that or handle that. And that whole changing of spaces is incredibly interesting. My only thought that I have about this is kind of the, the customization paradox. People are always asking for maximum customization of the products that they buy. It's always interesting when you can customize colors or features or functionalities. But at, and no one does shit, right? Like, yeah, at, at the same time, it's like, okay, now I can change everything, and now it's tough for me to make a good thing out of that. So is, yeah, I'm really no, curious how IoT device or service providers will, will solve the problem of not everybody is a designer, not everybody is something who has a knack for making things work perfectly. If you can place your light switches anywhere, will you place them in the correct spot, or will you move them around every week? Or will they just land somewhere and that's the new status quo? Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's probably something that you have to get a routine if you want to move them around. But um, yeah, I, I, I think we can come back to that. And, and by the way, since you're not sitting in my hotel room, I'm going to apologize for the air conditioning that's blasting that you're probably going to have to try to edit out or I'm going to have a nice hum behind me. So um, I apologize for that and my sniffing since I seem to have a cold at the moment. But with that, since I've been talking a lot, let's move on to the main topic because... You got a new toy. We've talked about that, in the, or this, this toy in the past, but you have got it, and you have got to play with it, and this yep. thing looks absolutely awesome. I really can't wait to, to get back. So, uh, and we've even been talking to the people at the company here, so, so talk a little bit about what you got and what you've been doing with it. So my life basically turned into a little bit of a Pixar movie because Cosmo arrived. Um, Cosmo is a tiny little robot from the guys over at Anki, You might remember Anki from the game Drive or Anki Drive, which was a racing game uh, with physical cars that were controlled by your iPhone, making a real-life video game. And they've now released a little uh, robot which interacts with you like a Pixar character. I mean, it it basically looks like like a fancier version of Wally, right? Wally is supposed to be the guy who's left behind on on Planet Trash, and this is like the new version. Exactly. He actually looks like the little cleaner dude a little bit from Wally that has to yes, clean up the yes. dirty feet from all the robots. 
Um, but he really has a little personality. And in the box is basically is a little robot and it comes with an application that runs on your phone. Now, um, we heard from the guys over at Anki that the robot itself is sensors and actuators, but not really the brain and the brain is in your phone. So they made sure that they can upgrade and change this robot as time progresses because they did it in such a way where the software is actually the most replaceable and, and easily replaceable thing. They also released an SDK for actually playing with that robot. So that's what I've been busy with for the past few days, uh, trying to see what I can make him do. So, so we will, by the way, um, you've been taking a bunch of videos. Yep. Uh, and we will post these on Instagram. I have not got to it. I've been a bit busy over here. Uh, but these videos are, are, I mean, beautiful in the personality that this thing has. Um, and, and also how it interacts with your lovely cat. Yeah, yeah. So Cosmo, um, actually there was news today uh, from Anki that they're um, building in uh, what they call pet recognition, where it can uh, recognize cats and dogs and even interact with them differently. But my experience last week made me feel like that was already built in because Cosmo actually... Yeah, routinely gets into a fight with my cat where he tries to just snap his paws or snap his tail with uh, with his little with his little lifter, and it's it's just really cool to see how beautifully woven together this experience is. So as we were talking, um, I think last episode about robots being cute, how much like an animator you have to think or you have to fill in each and every gap to get this illusion of life to work. So. You need to make sure that the robot is never just doing nothing. It needs to come to life. And for that, these guys have used motion, a little screen that works as, uh, as his face or, or his eyes, and, uh, and really, really good sounds. It's brilliantly done in a way where you can never peek beyond this kind of veil that they're throwing up. It's always doing something. It's always exploring or whistling or backing up or pushing something over. I, I think the best part that I've seen about this is, and, and, and you tell me, because you've been playing with the SDK, mm-hmm. how much of the eye movement, like the, the um, Cosmos eyes, are personality controlled in the SDK? How much do you get to control? Because the eyes are much more expressive than I had ever pictured a robot like this being. If you look at the SDK and and kind of the approach that they followed, they allow you to use everything that they have used to build Cosmo's uh, personality. So they give you a whole box full of preset animations. So any animation that you can see Cosmo do when he's in in like his normal consumer mode, you can call upon when you're uh, working with the SDK. So all of the expressiveness in the eyes, it's all available and it's all perfectly named. I believe that there's like 200 different animations that you can call upon. I mean, that, that, that's just the coolest job for, for a designer, right? Like, uh, I mean, because again, we'll post these videos, go check them out on, um, on the, Inst- what's our Instagram? Is it, is it Raft Collective or Raft underscore? Raft Collective. <laughs> You wait, think we would know wait. this since we post stuff to this. Okay, you're gonna look it up. Um, yep. We're gonna go post stuff there, but the, but the video of it where you're where you're basically like screwing around with it and 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 not letting it do its job, and it gets really pissed off at you or whatever. It, you're playing some game with it, yep. and it gets really pissed off, and then it sort of makes little noises and buzzes away from you because you don't let it win. Yeah. Um, the the eye movement there is just amazing. Because it be, between that and the the, uh, oh, I'll say sonic design, the audio design of this. Um, 
I mean, damn, like, like the designers over there did just an amazing job with that. And it is, someone must've been sitting there for, you know, a year working on all these different, or uh, probably over a year. Longer. Um, I don't, yeah. I don't want to short change it. I mean, I, you hmm. know, um, but, but to do these eye movements that are just, I mean, you look at it and it is so real and you feel like this thing. I, I, I literally want this thing cause I, I travel, I'm here in Malaysia for, um, you know, two or three months on my own. Uh, I sit in a hotel room uh, a, a lot doing work alone. And I feel like I want this thing with me at all times just to be a little friend. Like it's, it's a pet that you can bring with you basically. And it, and it really has that, at least from the videos I've seen, this, this emotive quality that makes yeah. you feel like you want it to be around. And it, it is amazing. So uh, we are Instagram.com slash raft underscore collective or at raft underscore collective. If you're inside of the app, that's where you can see our videos. Um, so from talking to the guys at Anki, um, what they did and, and what's also available in the SDK partly is that they didn't make code available for animating the face, um, but they made it able to display a set of images. So in, instead of you having to tell it to blink or tell it to blink with that special little motion Basically, you don't have to code the animation, but you can go into any of your favorite apps that can make animation. So in, in our case, we use After Effects a lot. And you can just make your own little animation in After Effects and have it play that back. And you have full control over this. At Anki, they have a special setup using uh, Maya, the 3D software, where they have a, a rigged setup that allows them to sort of control Cosmo's eyes including Cosmo's body and everything. So they, they have a virtual Cosmo that they can make move around, much like people at Pixar animate their characters, except Cosmo has the ability to act exactly out in real life what you just programmed onto his body in 3D software. So, so I think what's interesting is because if, if I'm, I'm thinking if I'm listening to this, I'm like, okay, they're talking a lot about this little robot, you know, and, and, and aren't you guys a design company? And, you know, when you look towards what, what trends are happening, more, you know, Google Home, um, uh, Amazon, um, that ECHO thingy-mabobber that I won't say it's named, activated, uh, you know, Siri, these types of things. These are all personality robots that don't have a standard screen-based rectangle UI where you have a hamburger menu or a, a row of icons across the bottom. These are much different type of user interface, but they are still very, I mean, you look at Cosmo and, and damn, did someone design that? Yeah. Um, so, I, so I think when people listen to that sometimes, or listen to us sometimes, you know, it sounds like we're going down this route of, oh, it's a robot, oh, it's technology. Um, but this is where I, I think, especially at Raft, we see a lot of design moving to is that people are going to need to learn how to uh, take the skill set that they have in design and extrapolate that to different forms of UI. And, and one of the things, I mean, Lily was on the, uh, the uh, you know, our, the podcast a little while ago and one of the things that we, we talk about inside the studio is this beyond the screen, da screen aspect. And, you know, whether it's voice UI or whether it's, uh, you know, in, in this case, this is a robot which can, you know, merges movement and audio and visual through, through little um, LED eyes or whatever, whatever the um, mechanism for the eyes are. But it is, I mean, it is very, very much design. And I don't, I, I want to make sure that people don't miss that aspect. This is not technology. This is design done beautifully. I mean, yeah. it's the same thing with with Amazon or or Google. These are this is the way that design is going to move over the next ten years, and it, you know it, it's certainly 
we, we don't talk about, you know, responsive websites because that's, you know, great. Get, get Squarespace to do that for you. Um, yeah. But these types of things are, are incredibly interesting. So I, I just want to throw that in because sometimes I feel like people may miss those, those pieces. And, and it's, I think it's so important for the field of design. Exactly. And it, in the case of, of Cosmo, it is one of the first times where you can, instead of having to design electronics and software and, and, and like low level control things to design a robot, you can now buy an off the shelf robot. It's available to anybody who wants to buy it and then use that to design your robot on top of. And if you're an animator, you can get it to work because there's only very little code needed and there's lots of examples. So now an animator actually can test his animations in real life because of this platform being available. Same thing goes for sound designers. Uh, same thing goes for developers who wanna try out if their code does something cool in the real world. But platforms like these keep on coming out. I think one thing, and I, I want to be careful about how long we go for this episode, just just since we're actually actively trying this out from different countries, because mm-hmm. um, we had a lot of different things to talk about based on Cosmo. I think we can come back to this next week. But one thing that um, really struck me when we talked to the people over Donkey and and Hus, you've had firsthand experience on and working for things like this, is what this type of technology um, means for uh, we'll, we'll you know I'll say learning disabilities, but things like autism. Mm-hmm. or Asperger's, or for children, I would say either for children uh, with these types of social, um, behavioral, I, I don't want to say problems because I don't think it is a problem. I think it's just a different way of approaching things. Or for elderly people who, um, you know, coming from the U.S., there's a, there's a lot of elderly people who live alone, who don't have anybody, and who, you know, would love a friend. Um, and, and I think this type of technology brings something that has been sorely missed and can can help people more than anybody realizes. You know, this isn't because again, the videos will post. They, these are sort of fun videos of this interacting with your cat or this interacting with you. Um, but there are so many opportunities here to do something that has never really been available at a, at a mass scale with with technology and the way that you can engage with different types of users. Who, you know, this isn't this isn't a chat application that is something that, oh no, this is a new fun thing. This is something that can really bring meaning to people's lives. And, and I, I think that's so important to mention. Yeah, and this one now looks like a toy robot, but don't be deceived. It's, it's a, a very precise uh, robot that you can control through a whole bunch of examples that are available. And maybe uh, you're going to be looking into designing a companion robot for people. And this is an amazing way to sort of kickstart your project it's it's rapid prototyping by buying something that you can build off of so i, I don't know if you want to talk about this at all to, to close up but uh a little while ago you did do um an application or, or you worked on an application for um and i don't know if we're even allowed to talk about this but for for um autistic children mm-hmm. um it, it, are we allowed to talk about that um or, or I, I think we could talk about the concept the overall yes. idea of it okay let's be smart because i, I okay yeah yeah um, I think if you can just describe that a little bit, because I think there are ways, um, actually go ahead and describe it. And I'll come back to, to, um. yeah. So we were looking into, um, how to help kids on the autism spectrum that, uh, are dealing with, uh, something called audio hypersensitivity, which means that these kids sometimes have trouble filtering out certain sounds and this triggers a heavy emotional reaction. And it turns out that the parents of these kids have the have great trouble determining 
what it actually is. So for the parents, it's seemingly random behavior. Well, actually, when doctors get involved, it mostly turns out that it's very simple uh, life changes that can help this. So we were looking into building a system that could help the parents and, and the kid to, uh, to figure these things out easier. Yes. Yeah, so uh, so I, I think that was um, what you were doing was a screen-based application. Yes. And I start to think of, of um, you know, there's been videos posted on the internet of dogs who, you know, are basically companion dogs for people with, with autism. And this is, in, at least in the videos that I've seen, this is people with, you know, more severe cases. Um, but I do think of what are the abilities of if you take a robot um, that can have both the sort of companionship of, of an animal, but the intelligence of a screen-based application, and you merge those two things together, uh, you know, I, I really do think there's amazing possibilities to both help people and be incredibly meaningful um, to people. And, and again, uh, you know, as, as people listen to this and as people probably are going to check out um, Cosmo and Anki, just think about what that means, again, for, for design and think about what that means, not just, you know, hey, there's a new music player out there, but what are the, the different aspects of, um, of design that can really change people's lives? And I think that's something that a lot of designers go for, but they, they sometimes maybe not realize how to recognize it with always screen-based applications. And I think this is a new way to, to recognize that type of bringing true meaning and, and life-changing work to, uh, to people. Yeah. So with that, we've been going for about 30 minutes. I, I want to be careful of our audio drift aspect. Um, there's still more to talk about with the, with the SDKs cause you wanted to come back to that and Amazon and a few other things and, and talk about aspects of the SDK. Are you okay with, uh, with, uh, checking out that a little bit more next week, especially once you've had more time to yes. play with Cosmo? Yeah. Okay. I, I, okay. I think I want to do that in a little bit of a prepared way instead of ad lib it. <laughs> okay. Well then for everybody listening, I apologize if you hear my air conditioner in the background, hopefully, because I'm watching my mic levels. Even when I'm not talking, the mic levels are still going. So hopefully there's not a, a low, dull hum throughout this entire podcast. We but at least will if there fix is, that. Yeah. Well, also, if there is, at least, at least I'm not telling you until the end once you've gotten properly angry. So, um, <laughs> then uh, enjoy Amsterdam, and I, I need to head to bed. Yeah. So... so uh, uh, We'll talk soon. We'll talk next week. <laughs> Good night. Cool. Later, man.